0: Hi, everybody. I've got a really lovely guest this week. I'm so happy she's agreed to come and talk to me. I've known her for many, many years. She's a beautiful lady and she's just written the most amazing poetry book called Came the Lightning 20 Poems for George. And that is George Harrison, and it is the beautiful, lovely Olivia Harrison.
1: Olivia, hello. How are you? Hello, I'm very well. This is very nice. <laughs> Thank you. I love seeing you and and talking to you. This oh, very warm afternoon. Yeah, it's
0: very warm, isn't it? My goodness, it's going to get warmer, so get ready. <laughs> but you've got caves there, haven't you? You can go in, into your. Yeah, they're they're nice and cool. Are
1: they are they cool? Are they, are they natural caves? No, they're Victorian folly. Oh, that's right. I remember you and George very, telling me about that years ago. very eccentric Victorian uh, gentleman was fascinated with the blue grottos of Capri. So um, he he built his own that is, I mean like you do, right? <laughs> they did. Victorians did what they wanted. I know. What was his name?
0: He had an amazing name, didn't he? It was was Sir Frank Crisp. That's right. I remember Um, you telling me the story years ago, but I never got to see the caves. Really? Well, get out here! Oh, well, we will. Time. Okay, (laughs) I'd love to see them. There's a picture of them in the book, isn't there? There is beautiful, beautiful. I have to say, this book, which we will talk about in depth, Olivia's written this amazing, amazing book of poems for George. That is so. I mean amazing and there's pictures of the cave in that but we'll get back to the book in a minute
1: (laughs) and it was lovely to see you at the launch last week thank you thank you for coming it was was, thank you for having us great support Um,
0: but I I wanted to um I love to find out about Pete I mean I know obviously quite a lot about you because we've known known each other for a few years haven't we I was trying to think the first two can you remember the first time we actually met my memory. So it must it must have been in the late 70s, early 80s, I'm thinking. Because Danny was born, your son oh, Danny. that's right. That's Danny right. was born um, in 1978 in August, right? right. And my daughter well, Carly was born in 1978 in December. Right. That's so right. I must have, we must have met.
1: They were small. They were, yeah. That's right. We had some something to do with childhood kids, yeah, and And then we didn't see
0: each other for many years for many reasons of living in different places and yeah. But we do go back quite a while.
1: It's amazing. I know. And then we had lots of nice times when uh, when George was here, and that's right. That's right. Christmas and birthdays and things. Yeah, we
0: had some lovely. And then, then when um. Carly and I were out in California. We came out to That's right. your lovely house there. That was so, you know, like a lot of people in our world, in our business, you you kind of meet people, make friends, and then o- often you don't see each other for many moons, and then it all comes back together, and it's nice. I like it. It's a very nice tribe of
1: people. It is it really M- mostly, it is. <laughs> yeah, mostly. <laughs>
0: So you were you were born and raised in California, right?
1: I was born in Los Angeles. Born and oh, raised in you're there. in LA.
0: Do you know I've met know. I've only met about people who live in LA. I think I've only met about three who were actually born and raised in LA. Dustin Hoffman is one. Do you know Dustin?
1: I know Dustin and Lisa a little bit. Lisa yeah. more.
0: Well, he was born and raised in LA. Because I always thought he was a New Yorker, because he's so yeah. kind of New York.
1: But, that was uh, because of Midnight Cowboy, yeah. And that's we all right. thought he was a New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I know. It, you know, I have some LA friends. Uh, Rita Wilson was born in Los Angeles. Oh, that's
0: right. Yeah, she. Yeah. I, I, I. She came on my podcast. She's lovely. I know, isn't she? And she's a rich. I mean, some of
1: her her records are fabulous. I love she's, her. She has an album of duets coming out that is stunning. oh with with Josh. Um, Groban. Josh Groban's one of them, but um, I shouldn't give it away, but she, oh, okay. she's done, she, she really has to, uh, the most amazing, uh, duets. I, I mean, she's a friend of mine, but I'm really, um, oh, well, I can do, can't do pass on that, my love. She was so lovely. I, I mean,
0: I didn't know her when she came on. I think we kind of met, but we mm-hmm. didn't know each other, but she was so lovely. And, um, and I love her music because that's all very up my alley or, or that. But um, so, she, yes, yeah, she, you're right. She was born and raised in LA. But you're taking you right back. Your grandparents came from, I don't think I can pronounce in Guanajuato. Fu- my oh, grandparents why. came from Guanajuato, Guadalhuato, 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 Mexico.
1: Mexico, sort of in the north of Mexico City, and uh-huh. uh, quite a bit. Um, I think my grandfather... Came over in like 1910, maybe, uh, both my granddads and and met my grandmothers there. And so it was a very, I had lots of aunts and uncles, and we lived in, uh, I wrote a poem actually called She. I wrote one called He and one <laughs> called She, trying to show how different and yet similar Georges and my backgrounds were, you know. Um, it's funny i i have a i have a you know a fondness for latitudes and so i always think you know george was here at 53 north and i was a sort of 24 north and there was you know <laughs> there's a lot of big difference there in 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 your the latitudes of where you're born and yet you know both our mothers were named louise were they? they both wow. both happened to love the same song and uh, and w- we had similar Households you know we used to stay with his dad in Liverpool and then we'd come and stay at my mom's house and it was you know I used to think now it's just a little house don't you know it's nothing special imagine taking you know you're taking your your partner your new boyfriend to yeah. your mom's <laughs> house it's like it's just a little house and he just happens to be George Harrison you know and he's <laughs> like oh you, you must be kidding. This is like a mansion compared to where I live. I and it was so sweet. And uh, so he got along really well with my mom and dad. And, and oh. uh, we used to stay there in the little bedroom. And then we'd go up to Liverpool and stay with his dad and get up and make us cups of tea and fried eggs. And it was lovely.
0: Just normality, really, isn't it? Yeah. So, well did your grandfather come up to LA because he wanted a new life, or was it hard? Was it hard where they were living? I mean, I don't really know what was.
1: LA must have been quite countrified in 1910, yeah? It wasn't. It was very much. I mean, um, I I can't. I don't really know why. I said to my mother before she died. She was 101. She died in oh 2020. my goodness, bless her heart. I said, well, how did how did Grandpa get to LA? She said, yeah. hmm. I don't know. And <laughs> I said, because I know people walked. Do so you, know, you think he Immigrants walked? walked. Yeah. I don't know. I thought there must have been. I was looking up Santa Fe, the trains, were there trains? Did someone who had a car? And uh, so no, no. I, I I can't say I knew, but I think probably for work, you yeah. know, to, to get a job. Yeah. And, of course, then it wasn't such a border, I always say, you know the Mexicans didn't cross the border; the border crossed them, because <laughs> uh, because really California it was there was no Mexico in California. You know it became. It was um, it was
0: kind. Well, there's still
1: Baja California, which isn't that still Baja, that's 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 a sort of peninsula. It was part of Mexico. I mean, so was California. You know, yeah. there was no Mexico until the Spaniards came. It was indigenous people there wh- right. who are my ancestors, the indigenous. And then, um you know, there was really no borders. So they, they came up to California. and uh, you know, Los Angeles was, I don't know if you've been ever been downtown l a. to Alvarez Street, which yeah, is uh-huh. the oldest. It's, and, and and the the church there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and Our Lady of Guadalupe, the church there, that was the sort of first streets in Los Angeles that were settled. Wow.
0: And this is pre-kind pre of the film world moving to L.A., oh, wasn't it? Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, is way, 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 you know, when the Spanish came. But it's funny you saying, I
0: wonder if he walked, because Lee, my husband who you know, his dad – uh, this would have been in the probably the late 20s mid late 20s early 30s he was a song and dance man he he was a double act they used to do uh, tap dancing and sand dancing and he was born and raised in glasgow and he wanted to get to london and him and his partner walked i mean they stopped along wow. the road the way to really? sleep and take odd jobs but that's I mean it's not as far as as Mexico to LA but it's quite a walk. Well it is kind of, <laughs> it
1: is. yeah. You know, it depends on where yeah it's it you know it's probably about the same. Yeah. I would imagine. But you know
0: people I think but- people when needs must as they say people did that isn't that incredible? I mean I think I'm amazing if I kind of walk 2 miles to the shops.
1: <laughs> yeah. We have no idea about those long walks. Uh you know that was a real uh dangerous treacherous journey it yeah. still is um, yeah. for immigrants and mexicans trying to come oh, no. to the united states has, has that, that got
0: any better or not
1: no i don't believe it has yeah. and you know i in the in the poem i write about you know we lived in uh south los angeles and you know it was all hispanics mexicans and uh you know, my, my granddad had roses. We didn't have a lawn. You know, we had lemon trees, avocado trees and roses and uh, he grew everything. Yeah. This was, you know, a little Mexico. And then in, in my poem, it says, one day we packed up the Chevy, moved west to a town where all the girls' names had exotic new sounds. Sandy, Becky, Jerry, Harriet, and Chris. Mucho gusto, Olivia, Trinidad, adios. So that was me moving into this neighborhood where Jerry, Sandy, Becky, Harriet, and Chris, and what's your name? Olivia, Trinidad. <laughs> so um, that was the first time I started to think, oh. And was that difficult for you? Was that oh, was it exciting, scary? A bit of both, well, I would think. A bit of both, but I had. I it took me until I moved to England, mm-hmm. I didn't really realize that I was feeling any kind of discrimination, and I came to England, and uh, you know, you know, George was really interested in Formula One, and mm-hmm. uh, so all the drivers they were Brazilian and yeah. Swiss and Irish and Scottish and. French and Spanish and so everyone was together. Nobody had there wasn't a hint of any anything about a national being, being from
0: different places in the world, no, you were just people. No.
1: And somebody said, Oh, you should meet Hector Robac, he's from Mexico. And I thought it was just, you know, I thought, Oh, there's something different here. And then I kind of looked back on it and thought, wow. And recently. I found that the town I, we moved to, which was called Hawthorne, this uh-huh. little town nobody really knows, when it was incorporated in the early 1900s, it was incorporated as a sundown town, which what, meant... What's that mean? Which It meant that people of color had to be off the streets by sundown. No. That's right. And I didn't really, I didn't know that. And, of course, that was abolished in, I think, the early 30s. But you can't abolish, you can't erase every stain.
0: No, of course not. And, and your
1: your parents would have,
0: would My they parents have remembered would have, it? Yeah.
1: They probably didn't know. I don't think that no one knew that about Hawthorne. Wow. But, uh, but um, that's why being in a certain part of town, you know, where there were a lot of Mexican families around and nobody thought anything. Uh, but then coming into this other town, that was established, you know, as a town like this. Uh, there was a there was a some sort of pallor that I didn't understand, and it sort of made sense, uh, but only years later.
0: Wow, that's
1: amazing.
0: That is amazing. It is revelatory.
1: Unbelievable.
0: So you went to school in LA, and then what made? Because you you joined a record company, right? Is that your first job
1: with A and M? No, no. I liked being. I was a secretary. I liked being a secretary. I still am. <laughs> <laughs> really, disorganizing. Well, everybody. I feel like
0: I'm a secretary for my family. I mean, I, 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 I like organizing. I think. I think women yeah. do that anyway, don't they?
1: <laughs> Mainly. Yeah, they do. Um, I know. I, I, I did. Uh, um, I was doing a temporary work and I, I went to A&M records and it was really nice. There were lots of young people there and there was music and it was. Yeah. This was what in the early seventies. Yeah. I think it was 72. Yeah.
0: That was quite a buzzy, good time. I mean, I was actually, I was, it's funny. We didn't meet that. I was in LA then. Um, cause my first husband was American. So we lived in LA. Oh, so, no, actually I met him in 73. So I lived there between seven, I mean, back and forth to England, but, Depending on what we were doing and work, but between seventy three and kind of eighty, I I was back and forth to L. A. But the music scene was quite buzzy then, wasn't it? And then the record companies were doing very well, weren't they? Probably too well.
1: <laughs> yeah, A uh, and M was um, you know a buzzy place. It was bit of a campus going on there it was fun and then George's record label George established a record label in nineteen seventy four mm-hmm. called Dark Horse yeah. that was being distributed by AM Records and uh and they asked me if I would uh, his manager asked me if I would come and work there. I think I was I think they um I was the girl in the yoga pants, the vegetarian in the yoga <laughs> pants. So they, <laughs> they thought you'd thought, get on. <laughs> She'll get on. And
0: uh, and we did. <laughs> we, you certainly did you fell in love that's so lovely so, so how long was it before you <laughs> met him I mean you worked with him he was probably in England was he
1: I think yeah that's right I think uh I worked there from like 72 74 I was actually leaving A&M and just the day that I it was really odd one of those karmic things the day I was leaving my job or the day I gave notice to leave I thought nah I'm this I've had enough now the next day, his manager called me in and said, you know, we really need somebody at this record label. And uh, you'll be the only one there. And George is coming over. And I said, did you know I quit here? And he said, No, no, I didn't know. And I said, Well, I just let go. And then there's thing and I said, oh, Okay, so that was oh, a really nice, oh, offer, and a really nice. Yeah. And you know, of course, I love George's music. And and, uh, and and being in a, a label on my own, that was fun. So I bet great great people and Ravi Shankar and and uh, oh, wow. brought an orchestra. One of the first things was he brought an orchestra over, and, uh, so I was immersed deeply in Indian classical music and
0: how fabulous! It was really great. Wow, that's amazing. Well, lovely. but that's almost like karma, isn't it? That you got to meet like that. If you'd have left. Maybe three weeks before it might not have happened. That's right.
1: Yeah, that's right. But I believe. I
0: believe in that. What's
1: meant to be. Yeah, you can't make those things happen. You no, just can't. No,
0: no. I I often actually say to people when you know sometimes you meet friends and they're like, oh, I really want to meet someone. I'm so desperate. And that's not when you meet somebody. <laughs> I mean, I met when I met Lee. I'd been on my own for two years and. And I was fine. I had my my daughter, Carly, was six, but I wasn't really. I mean, I thought it would be nice if I met somebody, but I wasn't really. Mm-hmm. And then we bumped into each other like three times over the period of two weeks in places where neither of us go very often. Funny. And then in the end, I saw him walking along the street and I stopped and said, what are you doing here? He said, I, I, I live in a flat across the road there. And I said, oh, I'm around the corner. Oh I said, God. do you want a cup of tea? So I actually did pick him off the streets. <laughs> he got in my car and came and had a cup of tea. And that was 37 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> oh, no, really?
1: Yeah, that was Amazing. in nine,
0: 1985. So there you go. Nineteen
1: eighty-five, thirty-seven years ago. How could that be? I know. <laughs> Seems I know. like the other that, day.
0: That is too scary. Too scary. Mm-hmm. I notice on your beautiful book, which we are going to talk about, that, that Martin Scorsese writes a beautiful piece at the back and the intro and everything. And um, but you you've worked quite a lot with him on your award-winning documentaries on George and um so how did how did you meet him a long
1: time ago or i did um maybe two maybe 20 2010 maybe uh maybe sooner i don't know i was whenever um no direction home when he'd done bob dylan's
0: oh, yes. uh,
1: documentary well, that was brilliant I went to see that and uh his business person said uh You know, if you're gonna do something you should speak to this producer and that and and Marty had directed that. It was brilliant. Uh and yeah, really brilliant. And uh and so someone asked him if he would be interested in doing a documentary on George, and he was very interested in George. And in fact, sat right here where I'm sitting, um he, he 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 spent some time, just a night and a day with George. And uh so that was nice. But he you know, Marty's always interested in um, man's search and faith mm-hmm. and uh, be- belief and and living in the world and overcoming. You know, trying to be the best person you can be, and uh, you know, man's struggle with that. If you if you think of Mean st- Mean Streets and you see Harvey Keitel in the very opening scene, he. He's talking to someone and he's saying, what's the deal? You know, I come in here and I do confession and I confess all my sins and then I go out and do them all over again. And the shot pulls back and he's talking to Jesus on the cross in the church, you know, and it's like a a question of faith. And um, uh, so uh, Marty was really interested in that, in George in that sense. Uh, and, you know, the duality.
0: But you had that connection with George, didn't you? Because, I mean, I read in a a little biog of you that you were very into, you know, spiritualism and, and, you know, trying to find them, you know, which I know George was. So that must have been a nice link for you. Were
1: were you vegetarian and... and Oh, I was at that. Yeah, when I met him, I was really... Practicing, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, devoting a lot of time practicing I was working, but um, you know, I think in life when you when you have your basic understanding, your basic values are the same. Mm-hmm. That you know, you have to have that. Of course, you have to have. And and and, and when you, I think, have a, you know, your thing that's most important to you, or you know, you're trying to achieve something outside of yourself, you know, that helps you to transcend things that happen in life and helps you get through things, you know, because if you don't have any desire for the, or glimpse of the bigger picture, then everything's a big deal. You're never going to get through life. You're never going to transcend problems and issues. If every little thing, you know, if you see the bigger, you see the bigger scene, you go, oh, that's a storm in a teacup. Let's just keep our eye on the goal here.
0: But I find, I don't know whether you do, but I, I I mean, you know obviously the internet is wonderful on many 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 levels but i've i've kind of struggled with that cuz it all seemed much simpler when we didn't have the internet and when we didn't have mobile phones to check every 5 minutes and and it worries me desperately about my grandchildren because they grow they're going to grow up with that because we didn't have that but it was and we you knew what was going on in the world but it wasn't Fed into you twenty four seven by everything you turn on, be it the television, be it your your computer, be it your phone, and I I do struggle with that sometimes. And often I have days when I don't look at it and I don't, you know, do my Instagram, which I you know I'm terrible. My Carly's always chasing me up and saying, "Mum, you've got to do another post," and
1: because <laughs> I forget. I, <laughs> I, I, good for you. I'd rather go you. and do I my, you know, already, I, I go yeah. and do
0: my sewing instead, which I, which I love.
1: <laughs> I, I think we all need a big digital detox. Yeah, I do. Um, really, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to try and go somewhere and do that. It's addict. It is, you know, it is an addiction.
0: But do you think that is because of our age? Cause we're, we're I think we're about the same age. Do you think that's cause it's. Our age, and we remembered it
1: before. Or no, I think everybody knows. I think I don't know what kids think, but I think anyone over thirty knows they're using far too much. Too much. They're yeah. on their phone far yeah, too much, true. even when even when we're you know because now they know you get a certain rush. You get a you get a serotonin or whatever it is every time that thing goes click. Your body responds. We're Pavlov's dogs now. It's, um, <laughs> You know, yeah, so, uh, and, you know, I, I wrote, I know, I wrote, you know, one of the poems is like, you know, it's funny you say that because remember notes left under pillows, a heart carved in a tree, blue envelope with a foreign stamp, a postcard from across the sea, phone calls through the operator before our hands grew phones, the ritual of a Sunday calling mom and dad at home, you know. I know. I wrote
0: that down because it's one of my favorite lines from Keepsakes, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like- this line which Olivia just said is phone calls through the operator before our hands grew phones. It's a brilliant line. I really related to that. And yet, if I go out, if I forget my phone sometimes, I mean, there's a panic that sets in. Oh, I haven't got my phone. And then I think, well, I'm only going to the shops. I'll be back in an hour.
1: I, mean, I know people will think we're like, in the old days, Twiggy. It's like, in the old <laughs> days, I mean, I tr- I came over to <laughs> Europe and you'd go to, I mean, this was just me as, you know, 19-year-old or whatever. You know, you'd go to the American Express office and leave a note on the board and then you, your friend would come in and say, or you'd say, I'm in Amsterdam or I'm in the hotel, something, and you'd leave a note there and somebody would, your friend would find it. And also,
0: and, and, uh, yeah, my best friend, Mary, who actually lives – Half in LA and half in London. We used to, I mean she was better than me, but she I've still got her letters. She used to write me handwritten, we'd write letters to each other, which is lovely. And that's I know. kind of long forgotten oh. handwritten letters. And she was a beautiful writer. I mean, I would reply, but I I was not so eloquent as she was. But um, but coming round to this, your book and this book is so beautiful. It's called Came the Lightning and 20 poems for George. It's, well, I have to say it's beautiful. It's funny. It also, there's a couple, I, you know, I read one this morning that really made me cry, but Uh, but in the nicest possible sense. Yes. It is very, very, but you write so beautifully, you know, because Lee, again, my husband has been writing his poetry book for the last couple of years. So I've been working with it. Yeah. And, um, so I've been reading his poems a lot because he started writing poems in 1967 and he found them in a drawer oh. when we were moving my God and so he, he suddenly thought oh I should put these together and he's been adding to it so so suddenly getting your book um you know I, I, I I've never been a huge poetry reader but because of working with late we're well, not working with him. yeah but being a listener, I mean I'm his listener <laughs> to his poems my I, ear is becoming I acclimatized know. to the I, rhythm I, and, I actually it's didn't, absolutely yeah, gorgeous
1: I didn't uh thank you I, I I haven't read a lot of poetry myself um but but the poems I have read um have moved me so deeply um I think now that I've done this, I've, I was sort of afraid to read any more poetry while writing it because I thought, oh, I'll just be, <laughs> I'll just be put off. I don't know any rules, and I had a great, I have a neighbor, James Scudamore, who's an author, and he said to me, Olivia, no rules, just write everything that that comes out. You can deal with everything later, right, do It's absolutely don't, gorgeous be, because um, you know. I I, I say that my cadence is difficult. I I think it is, but it's an emotional cadence. And sometimes I'll start writing and it's going along in a way that a poem would. And then I started feeling more and more and more. Maybe I was going to cry and then it would go faster and faster and then more would pour out. And then it would sort of settle down. And I just left it like that. You know, you might have a stanza, a stanza, a verse, then suddenly it just pours out. And it's really an emotion, emotional cadence is all I can explain But it,
0: that's your natural rhythm, you see.
1: But yeah. it works.
0: It's absolutely beautiful. Thank you. I mean, I, I there was one that I read last week called "Heroic Couple." Oh yeah. <laughs> because at your reading at Waterstones? You did talk. Michael Palin talked oh. to you, didn't he? Which was lovely. It was a lovely chat. And you mentioned that awful encounter in your house, and then you. But the poem is so emotionally char- I mean it's so beautiful and so frightening yeah i don't know how you wrote it actually you know it's, it's a, a f- unbelievable it's- that you was it did it help to write it down this was yeah. the, the attack in your house right by an intruder
1: we had an intruder and very nearly didn't survive that yeah. um and um you know i wrote I, I was people said why did you write about it um Uh, I I could write a lot more about it, Uh, but Mm. what I was trying, I didn't really realize where it was going to end, how it was going to go. But the point of that poem is that had, you know, George always thought that John Lennon, the the real tragedy for John, of course the tragedy was he died, he was murdered, but the real tragedy was that he didn't have a chance to die the way he wanted to. He didn't have a chance to, to be in, charge of that leaving which yeah. is something you know in certain practices you know we have to think about this all Absolutely. you know everything where nothing is lasting here how do we yeah. wish to go and leave our bodies and uh the point of that was had that happened that night had we not survived that night would have been a real like, you know george was like i can't believe this happened and yet you know he did die two years later but but he had the, the passing he wanted. And yeah, he, he was in charge of his, you know, he went on his own terms. On his own terms. Not I you know, in the poem it says death proper, not imposter. And that's right. And, and no, that's that death line. would have been like that's not the your real death. That is not the no. death meant for you. And uh and
0: But and, no nobody deserves what happened to you to happen. Nobody deserves that.
1: No. Unbelievable. And yet, you know, we're just one of, we were just one of many. I think about it and I think, you know, I don't want, it was a big deal, but I think, yeah, but look what other, look what people go through and, you know, poof kids and teenagers and I know. people being in a well, wrong well, place what's at the wrong time. In
0: you, you, Yeah. And what's in happening America. in Ukraine. Yeah. And as you, you know, I know you, you did had a big charity for the Romanian, Romanian orphans, yes, didn't you? I did. And yeah. What was hap- what happened there? And I, and it, I mean, but again, it's back to that thing. You, you know, we are fed these things that are happening in the world and, you have to know about it, but if if it's twenty four seven,
1: you become, no, you can't. Well, I
0: be, I become. I, there's nothing I can do. I don't know what to do. It's it's,
1: it's you know it's terrifying. A, it is, and you know, I think you have to limit your. Yeah, I, I read what I want to read, and that's it. But because we know what's going on, you can read the headlines and figure it out. But yeah, George said that once um, <clears throat> when twenty four hour news started happening, there wasn't twenty four hour news. You know, forever, it was a thing. And George said, "What? Now the whole world's going to hear about? Why should somebody in you know I forget some you know other country be hearing about O.J. Simpson? What good is it going to do them to be hearing this trial? Nobody needs to know. Not the whole world doesn't need to know this. Uh, no, no, I agree. And that whole trial that went on, and it's like
0: it's, it's like feeding some animal that never gets full isn't it it's like yeah. this awful
1: and also think of rural people who now you know i mean of course everyone deserves to have communications but you think somebody living a beautiful life and a you know what we dream about in a rural place and what now yeah. this river of sewage is going through their houses too i know and, uh, I that's know. what this that's what it is i you know I'm not watching the news anymore. I listen to Radio 4. I listen to, uh, you know, World Service. Uh, well, when when the, the
0: pandemic and then Ukraine start, you know, all happened, we were watching it, the news, all through the day. And then it became so, dis, you know, distressing that we, we actually stopped watching the news before we went to bed because you went to bed oh, all yeah. agitated. So we watch we watch once a day a half hour of oh that's news good. on the bbc so we're informed and if we need to check it out we can go online yeah. but yeah when i go to bed i read a, a novel i'm I, I mean i'm an a big reader and i love my novels oh and usually i either romantic novels or some john grisham thriller or something oh good <laughs> pure pure escapism <laughs> And, um, and of course now your beautiful poetry book, it's gorgeous. And there's so many lovely pictures in it as well. I love them. Thank you. And,
1: you know, I think, well, I know that had I tried to write an autobiography, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as intimate or revealing or emotional as this and trying to distill a life and love and, 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 you know, decades together to distill it down into some a a page it's really hard to do but that's why it's I think poetry is so powerful because you're 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 telling something in a few lines um you're distilling that it is but you need
0: the talent to do it and you certainly have had you written poems
1: before no that's the the odd thing amazing yeah and
0: um because uh, it's so eloquent and so beautifully
1: written well, I I had, you know, when George first died, I wrote some things and I never returned to them. I have to go and find out what I wrote.
0: Oh, I- you must. That, because that's when Lee found his poems from 1967. That's what triggered him... Thinking, oh my goodness!
1: Well, you know, I, I really look he'd forward to that. He'd forgotten about them. I really look well, forward to that.
0: You know, he might he might ask your advice of what you think I don't think them. he needs. I think advice. I think they're really they're really good. But, but um, um
1: if you want, maybe we could close with one. Yeah, one, I was just sure going to say, do,
0: do you want to pick? I mean, I I've written a few What, what down, would you but like? All, you tell me. I had another spring. I thought was
1: beautiful.
0: It's your book. You pick one.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Maybe I could read South. I I like this one. Okay, it's called South. As I said, I'm very fascinated with latitudes, and and, uh, um, people make fun of me. My friends make fun of me. (laughs) We caressed in a thermal haze of the south-facing wall where the sun god threw his fire, anointing our tall shadows in the light of the longest day on whitewashed bricks that held the heat of solar rays. Saturn peaches, soft to the touch, left squishy hollows where our fingers brushed. Pricked by wild blackberries that stained our teeth and tongues, solstice brought its magic and a bunch of red grapes hung. Over the doorway, still bitter as the earth began to tilt, then juicy and dark before we surrendered to the fall and headed for lower latitudes to watch fronds unfurl and humpbacks call. Us to the very edge of the cliff where I stand now, wondering if I should drift down onto the rocks in dark sea to join the sirens in a surprising tragedy. Or wait for another sunrise on my face. I hear you say surely that is a better place. To walk barefoot and pick ice-blue calatheas, pink gingers, haliconias, as a winter panacea. Fleeting flavors traded on sticky lips betrayed by a harvest moon. A rush to ripen early meant falling far too soon. The price of summer love, a mirage of golden days, came requital for the endless warmth and exchange we had to pay.
0: Mm, Absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. Gorgeous.
1: I thinking of that now because it's summertime, and all of us in our gardens have our south-facing walls where we grow grapes and (laughs) apricots and oranges. And that, if you put your hands on that wall at the end of the day, the bricks are really hot. (laughs) Hot. Although you, I think
0: you, you were in Europe recently, and you, you sent me an email saying it's hot. hot. How hot was it?
1: Were you in the south? I was in in Greece. I was in Greece, and it was hot. hot. But, oh my um, goodness. but you know, well, I think it's
0: a heat wave everywhere at the moment, it is it?
1: right now, and I think you know, yeah. we wait all year and then we get oh, no. that wall, <laughs> and then suddenly you've got like an apricot, and you think, What in England? It's so I'm going to get out there now. <laughs> Listen, and... thank you so thank much
0: you. for coming and chatting to me, it's been an absolute joy. Oh, I
1: love hanging um... out with you, it's great.
0: <laughs> oh, that was so lovely to catch up with Olivia. She's a quite a special woman, an amazing woman, actually. And this book of poems is so beautiful and it's out now. So please get a copy. It's called Came the Lightning, 20 Poems for George. And it's you should have a box of tissues with you when you read some of them. They're quite emotionally moving. They're beautiful, but it's funny and sweet. And there's some lovely pics as well. Anyway, that was nice. And I'll see you soon. Lots of love. Bye. If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. You just heard a Stripped Media
1: Production.